Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. We're going to take a break from Romans today for several reasons. The biggest one is being that Romans 7 is pretty complicated, and I'm just not ready to preach it to you this week. That casserole, as I like to say, needs some more time in the oven. Pray for me as I study it. There's a lot to it, and I want to get it right. I hope to have it ready for next week. The other reason is because we're short on time this morning, and uh, this will be more timely. Today I want us to think together about whether or not to answer a fool. Whether or not to answer a fool. Roper and Matt Modzel and Lucas and I teach the youth boys class on Wednesday nights. We've got about 7 to 15 boys each week for that class. And each Wednesday night we take a proverb and we write it up on the board. First they've memorized it. If you don't have your verse memorized you have to do push-ups. Okay? And if everybody has their verse memorized, then I have to do push-ups. So I kind of hope that at least one guy slacks off every week. But then we put the proverb up on the board, and we analyze it. We've been learning how to memorize a proverb, and then how to analyze it, and get out of it the meat of what it says, and then apply it to our lives. Well, in Proverbs chapter 26, there's a lot about fools. You see, the Proverbs are jam-packed with wisdom for skillfully living in this world. And we've been learning a lot about wisdom and foolishness. Proverbs divides people up into those two categories, the wise and the foolish. Now, there's other fine ways to slice it and dice it, but those two categories carry a lot of weight in the Proverbs. Wise and foolish. The wise live by God's Word, like we just sang about. And they make skillful, right choices in various situations. And because of that, they're blessed. What we just sang about. The foolish suffer from what some have called character deficiency syndrome. That is, being foolish doesn't just mean being silly, like a fool. But being a fool is not just being silly. It's about being morally dull, unwise, picking the wrong things, rejecting God's truth as the guide for living. The fool in the Bible consistently makes wrong choices. Not just mistakes, but bad choices. Our boys will tell you that a synonym... Well, let me ask you. Do we have some of our boys here? What's a synonym for foolish in the Proverbs? They're also very quiet on Wednesday nights. Do you believe that one? Wicked. All right, yeah. That's right. Wicked is a synonym for foolish. You see... Uh, it's not just dumb, but wrong. And the Proverbs, especially Proverbs chapter 26, teach both how to be wise, that is how not to be a fool, but also how to relate to those who are unwise, how to relate to those who are foolish. So verses 4 and 5 are two Proverbs about how to relate to a fool. And And they seem, on the face of it, contradictory. Have you ever read these two Proverbs? And said, oh wait, huh? In fact, someone who doesn't believe the Bible might point to these verses as an example of how the Bible is supposedly full of errors. Uh, The professor in the movie we're going to see on Saturday might point to these two verses. But that's foolish itself. Because the compilers of the Proverbs were no dummies. And they put these two verses right next to one another on purpose. These verses are right next to each other to be provocative and to get us to think. And if we do, then we'll become wise in how to relate to those who are not. Let's read these two verses together. 
pray, and then talk about what they mean. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Would you pray with me? Lord, just to know you and to make you known, we lift your name on high. Help us to dig into your word and then to have it change us, to inform us, to counsel us, to reshape our hearts into the image of Christ so that we know how to live in your world. Give us wisdom, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, should you or should you not answer a fool? Let me give you a few for instances. So kids, you're in the lunchroom this week at school and a table mate says to you, I think you're dumb. For believing in Jesus. He was just a good teacher and not the Son of God. And he's not still around now answering prayers. Now a, teen, a, a kid at your school may not say that to you. But that sentiment runs through our nation. Guys, you're at work. And the discussion turns to philosophy. And a co-worker says, I think there's no such thing as absolute truth. What's true for you is true for isn't true for me, and what's true for me isn't true for you. Truth is what you think it is. And I'm tired of other people telling me what to believe. I'll believe what I believe. There are no absolute truths. What are you going to do? Now, that may not happen at your place of work, but it does happen at places of work. Ladies, this is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. You have a friend or a family member who just found out that she's pregnant. And her boyfriend is pressuring her to get an abortion. The boyfriend doesn't want the responsibility of a baby. And somehow you've gotten dragged into the discussion. You say that you think abortion is wrong. And that she should keep the baby. Anything else would be unthinkable. And the boyfriend turns on you and says that you're stupid. And that this is a free country. Abortion is a woman's right to choose. Abortion is a woman's right to decide what happens to her body. What are you going to do? And now in all of these three situations, you're dealing with a fool. How, if at all, are you going to answer them? Or any of the foolish things that you're going to actually encounter in a week? Proverbs gives us two pieces of wise counsel. Here's the first one. Do not answer a fool according to his folly. Read verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Proverbs is saying, don't go there. Now in this sense, according to his folly must mean something like playing by his rules. My wife's take on it was, don't answer a fool in kind. Don't start with his or her presuppositions. Don't mimic his or her attitudes. If they come at you with foolishness, don't answer back with more foolishness. Because if you do, you'll become like them. You'll become a fool. Have you ever heard an argument between kids, say, five and under? One that maybe Copper and Simon are going to have before long. It goes something like this. Uh-huh. Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. Nuh-uh. And then it just gets louder until mom and dad have to say, come on, cut it out. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. It's better sometimes to say absolutely nothing. Do you remember how David made this mistake? We learned about it last year in 1 Samuel. 
David, when he was on the run before he was king and his men were providing some protection to some neighbor's property and they asked their neighbor for some reward, financial and nutritional, as a payback. Do you remember what the neighbor's name was? Nabal, that's right. Anybody know, anybody know what Nabal's name means in Hebrew? Fool, that's right. His mom had named him Fool and he didn't want to let her down. Nabal insulted David and his men. What should David have done? I think he probably should have walked away from that one. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. But David got hot-headed himself, and he saddled up his horses to go teach Nabal a lesson, and it took the wisdom of Abigail to defuse the situation. If she hadn't intervened by God's grace, David would have become a Nabal himself. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. And some of us love that answer. Why? Because we don't want to talk with a fool. It's like mud wrestling with a pig. You both get really dirty and the pig enjoys the whole thing. But Proverbs 26 also gives us this. Answer a fool according to his folly. That's what verse 5 says. Look at verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly. Same words in Hebrew. Or he will be wise in his own eyes. Sometimes, often, we've got to say something. Verse 5 says that if we don't, then it looks like there's no answer for what that fool is saying. The Puritan Charles Bridges writes about this verse, Silence may sometimes be mistaken for defeat. Unanswered words may be deemed unanswerable. And the fool become arrogant, more and more wise in his own eyes. So sometimes we have to say something to pop the fool's bubble. And we have to do it according to his folly. Now, here I don't think that according to his folly means playing by his rules or doing it the same way he does, in kind. But something more like showing how his folly works. Or pointing out the folly in his folly. You know, the Apostle Paul did this really well. At one point in his letters he says, I'm talking like a fool. And what he's doing there is he's using his opponent's own line of reasoning and then showing how foolish their conclusions really are. Sometimes we have to take the battle to them and play on their own turf, even if we play by our own rules. Does that make sense? Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. So, which is it? Do we answer? Or do we not answer? Well, the answer is yes. Right. Most of us like to lean towards one or the other. Some of us love to argue. And we want to point out the problem with the other guy's thinking. Isn't that one of the biggest problems on social media today? Have you ever seen this comic? Are you coming to bed? I can't. This is important. What? Someone is wrong on the internet. Right? Isn't that how it is? Lots of pointing out what's wrong with somebody else's position. Post. Well, oh. I can't believe they said that. Post. Right? And we've got to do it. We can't let it go. We have to make our opinion known. Well, sometimes it is needed. But the problem is that we might become a fool ourselves. Many of the rest of us, I assume, are prone to not give an answer. To just be quiet and to walk away. Afraid of a fight instead of itching for one. 
And sometimes that's needed to walk away. But the problem with that approach is that the foolishness can often go unchecked. Imagine if every parent left their children to remain in their foolishness. Some children grow up thinking that they know it all because their parents didn't love them enough to answer the folly in their folly. Commentator Donald Hubbard writes this about these two verses together. That situation poses a problem to the wise. How should one answer the fool? The opposite bits of advice, do not answer and do answer, show there's no automatic formula to be applied. Each situation calls for a response that the wise must have confidence to discern on the spot. In one case, the answer would lead to prolonged argument, in which the wise might be trapped into babbling like a fool. Where there's a chance of that, silence is the prudent way. In another case, one prick of the fool's balloon may bring him back to reality and burst the bubble of his conceit. To answer in that circumstance does a favor to everyone, including the fool. Both Proverbs are valid, each in its own setting. It calls for wisdom, which is a gift given through the Holy Spirit. You know who was awesome at this? The Lord Jesus. Jesus encountered a lot of foolishness in His ministry, from Pharisees to disciples to kings. And Jesus never made the mistake of playing the fool game back to the fool. Jesus never said, Nuh-uh. He didn't even give an answer to King Herod when he was asked a stupid question. He asked questions sometimes to change the rules, but he didn't miss a chance to point out someone's folly so they couldn't think that they had confounded Jesus in all of his wisdom. Jesus was perfect at this. And we can learn a lot from his example. Do not answer a fool according to his folly. Answer a fool according to his folly. Both properly understood are right and true. So let's think how that might play out in our three for instances. The kid at the lunch table. I think you're dumb for believing in Jesus. He was just a good teacher and not the Son of God. And he's not still around now answering prayers. What do you say? I think you're dumb for not believing in Jesus. He rose from the dead and he's coming back to bring judgment on you, fool. How's that sound? Probably not the best. In our family, there's a story about my brother saying in frustration to an atheist teenager back when he was in high school, oh yeah, well have fun in hell. At our house, we call that the Andy Mitchell School of Evangelism. You don't want to go to that school. But should you say nothing? Maybe you could say, Believing in Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. Or, if he said that he was God in the flesh and he wasn't, how could he have been a good teacher like you say? I believe that he rose from the dead and is still alive today. And I'll be praying for you that you believe it too. Kids, could you say something like that? The Lord will help you too. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, but answer a fool according to his folly. I think that's the theme of the movie that we're going to show here on Saturday night. God's Not Dead, about a college student who runs up against a wildly atheistic professor and tries to give a winsome answer for the hope that's within him. It's kind of unbelievable okay, when you watch it, but it's just kind of reminding you of what we're supposed to do. Speak. Give an answer. How about that second, for instance, the guy around the water cooler at work? I think there's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is what you think it is. And I'm tired of other people telling me what to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. There are no absolute truths. Do you answer him? Maybe you just let that one go. There'll be another time. 
Just because something says something foolish doesn't mean you have to speak back, especially if you've got nothing good to say. But you might say, are you saying that there's absolutely no absolute truth? Just let that sit there. Or maybe you go personal. You say something like, I'm sorry that you think that Christians think they know it all. Sometimes that's how we act. But it's not that we think we're right about everything. We believe that God is right about everything. So we believe what He says. And that means that some things are right and some things are wrong. Some things are true and some things are not. Absolutely. Because if you don't say anything, they might think they've got you. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, but answer a fool according to his folly. Last one. Ladies, you are caught in between the boyfriend who wants the abortion and the girlfriend who wants your opinion. You're stupid. This is a free country. Abortion is a woman's right to choose. Abortion is a woman's right to decide what happens to her body. Roe versus Wade. You don't get bent out of shape. You don't start ranting or raving or threatening to blow up an abortion clinic. That would be becoming a fool yourself. But you've got to say something. What might you say? Can I recommend a, a book for everyone to read? If you don't know what to say about pro-abortion arguments, I recommend Randy Alcorn's book, Pro-Life Answers to Pro-Choice Arguments. Or this littler one that we have out there on the table for free, Why Pro-Life? See, Randy Alcorn understands Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. And we can't be silent on this issue in our culture. Thank you, PRC, for standing up for this and speaking out, especially directly to the ladies that are in the, in the middle of that choice. It's too important. It's a matter of life and death. So maybe you say to the boyfriend, I don't think you can be very objective in your position. Or maybe you say, I believe that abortion is child killing. Would you do the same thing to a two-year-old? It's not just a blob of tissue. It's a human being. Shouldn't this be a free country for him or her too? Now I know that all this is easier said than done, right? I, I, I know it's a lot easier for me to throw out hypothetical, foolish attacks and then give you crafted, wise answers than it will be to answer fools in real life. We have to do it on the fly, right? But God, through the Holy Spirit, will give us the grace to answer folly where we need to, if we trust Him. Because God has supplied in Jesus the greatest answer to folly there ever could be. Jesus died for our foolishness. He paid the penalty in His body on the cross for all of our rejecting of God's truth. And then He came back to life to give us Himself and His wisdom. The book of Colossians says that Jesus, in Jesus, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If we've come to trust in Christ alone, we have free access to all of the wisdom we will ever need for all eternity. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, but answer a fool according to his folly. And Jesus will help you to do it.